Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another Wednesday on the Higher Battle Podcast. Happy you're here. Today, we're going to be studying John, and we're going to be in chapter two. A couple weeks ago, we studied chapter one together, so now we're on to chapter two. I love the book of John. It is one of my favorite gospels, and so I'm excited to read this next chapter with you guys. But if you're new, hello, my name is Peyton. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Here on this podcast, we talk about Jesus, and together we walk through the highs and lows of living a life for God. So, also, if you've been here before and you'd like to leave a review, that would be so appreciated. I love to see your guys' feedback and see how I can make this podcast better serve you and just better for what you need. So, and always message me on any of our social media platforms if you want a specific topic talked about, but let's get right into John 2. So I'm just going to start out with reading all of chapter two for you guys. And if you are unaware, so in John, I'll just do a little quick explanation again of what John is. So basically, John wrote it and it shows us a lot about Jesus and kind of his, really a lot about his characteristics and personalities. You see Jesus's I am statements and it really shows that Jesus came from heaven, so Jesus is God. So you see that connection there. And it's really centered around what Jesus did and said in Jerusalem. And so we're in chapter 2, and it says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Canaan of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, They don't have any wine. What does that have to do with you and me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification, each containing 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them, so they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. When the head waiter tasted the water, after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told him, Everyone sets out the fine wine first, and then after people are drunk, the inferior, but you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Canaan of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, together with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they stayed there only a few days. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. This is the first chunk. And so I think, so wine is an important thing during this time and in this community. It's really a social thing. And so the couple, the couple getting married at this wedding would have been pretty much publicly shamed if they did not have wine there. And so I love this. Uh, Well, first of all, we probably need to debunk like Jesus literally calls his mom woman. Like, woman but this is actually out of respect and then he tells his mom well my hour has not yet come so what do you want me to do so this means his death so Jesus has not yet come to his hour where he has to die and what I love about this is Jesus didn't just add to these water buckets but he transformed them into wine and that's what I kind of love about just the way God works in our life is he doesn't just add to who you already are as a broken person, but he transforms you into this new being of who you were meant to be in him. And you have that chance 
for him to transform your heart and to heal you and things like that. So he doesn't just put band-aids on what you are hurting in and and he doesn't just put band-aids on your broken parts, but he transforms those and makes them new. I love that. And then his mother goes on to say, do whatever he tells you. So this has a deeper meaning. She's not just saying, yeah, he's going to help you turn this into wine, but it's like literally do anything Jesus tells you to do. Also, what I love and I think is very, very important to just show Jesus's character is he didn't just go and do this completely on his own, but he wanted these servants to share in the work and to share in this blessing of making water into wine, which I love this. He wanted men to work with this miracle. And so he asked them to draw some out and take it straight to the head waiter. So they had to have the faith that Jesus was going to do what he said he was going to do so that they wouldn't also be humiliated bringing water to the head waitress. And so then later on, I mean, just this next chunk, we see that with God, the best is always yet to come. And so I think sometimes we're like, well, I have this thing right here in front of me and God's not, he hasn't transformed it yet. Like, like you can't lose hope and you have to know that God is going to provide, he's going to bless, but he wants you to work with him to share in that blessing, to share in that work. You can't expect God to just be like, oh, poof, here you go. Like he wants you to be a part of this. He wants you to be a part of your story. It's your story and he's transforming you and transforming your life and, and leading you to grow his kingdom and do all of these things. But you have to share in that work and you have to have the faith and you have to trust. And with God, the best is always yet to come. And then in that, the last couple of verses of this chunk, it says, Jesus did this, the first of his signs. I love that. So this is the very first sign that, um, and I think if I can recall John, uh, let me, th- I think it's seven signs he shows, he writes about seven of Jesus's miracles or signs. So this is the first, which I also love that like his mom was there and kind of a part of it, which is cool. But yeah, love that. Okay, we're going to continue on into verse 13, and it says, The Jewish Passover was near, and so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there. After making a wipeout of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple and their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews replied to him, What sign will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore the Jews said, This temple took 46 years to build, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. While he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. Jesus, however, could not entrust himself to them, since he knew them all, and because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man." Okay, so now Jesus, this is a different setting, so he goes to this temple in Jerusalem. So first of all, Jesus was like, what, like, why are we using this place as a place to make money? And also, 
they had this set up where people had to pay to get into the temple. They needed like a special temple coin. So Jesus was like, are you serious? Um, okay, why? No. So what I do want you guys to know is yeah, like Jesus came in here with authority and he thought this through and he came in with authority and not violence. That's what I liked about this. And yes, he drove them out, but it wasn't just like a rash thing. We know Jesus is perfect. So he had some grace to his authority, but like he needed people to understand this. And also when it says his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. That's from Psalm 69, 9. And basically the Jews are like, well, what authority do you have to tell us to get out of here? Like, are you like, show us, prove it to us. And then he says that he will destroy this, this temple and raise it up in three days, yet he is talking about his body, his body being destroyed, and then later he is raised from the dead. What I also like is here's that connection between Jesus is God, God is Je like that, that Holy Trinity connection is here when he says, I will raise it up in three days. So the Trinity raised Jesus himself, God, and the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus says something in the last couple of verses. He says, Jesus, however, could not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. And because he did not need anyone to testify about man for he himself knew what was in man. And so he knows that a lot of the people right now who are believing in him are a superficial faith because they only are believing in him because of the signs, the couple of signs he's done so far. And so he knows that they are not superficial. But then I loved the last verse and I think we, we need to memorize this last verse, you guys, and just remember this. And verse 25, and because he did not need anyone to testify about man for he himself knew what was in man. So here is, he, like, he doesn't depend on man's approval. Jesus knows it all. I, like, I want Jesus's confidence, don't we all? That is, like, to love like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus, but to have the confidence like Jesus, and I don't think we talk about that much, and it's like a humble confidence, because you, it's not like that confidence where you're like oh I can't even stand to be around this person because all they do is talk about themselves and they're just they're just too confident in who they are and they let everyone else know yeah no that's not Jesus's confidence he just knew what he knew he knew the truth and that was it he didn't try to prove anything and the different signs he used them as teaching but also just in general to bless people and so even with our lives we need to work to pray for people, bless people, be a part of their lives, but not just to show off, not to have that confidence of like, yeah, yep, I'm better than all of you. Like Jesus, there wasn't even a little bit of him where I feel like if we met him, we, would, we wouldn't feel like, oh my gosh, he's making us feel like the smallest human beings ever when he's the almighty God, you guys. But I don't know, which we know Jesus is the perfect everything but yeah I love this chapter too the wine section I really just love and just stating again like sharing in God's work and sharing in the blessing I think that is what you need to do when you are being impatient with how God is working in your life or how he's answering prayers that is the waiting you need to do is sharing in the work and sharing in the blessing that's active waiting you're waiting on God to lead you, but it's like you're not sitting there 
hoping God just puts everything out there for you so you don't have to do anything at all. Like, he wants you to share in it, and he wants you to share in that blessing. Not just be like, oh, thanks, God. Thanks for doing everything. Okay, bye. See you next time I need something. But I love that. Well, that is John 2, you guys. I will see you in a couple weeks or maybe next week. You know, who knows for uh, John chapter 3. I hope you guys have the best week ever. If you have anything to say about this chapter or if you want to share anything, please um, reach out on social media. I'd love to hear about it. But um, I will see, I mean, I will be with all your beautiful faces next Wednesday. See you guys.